Hello, wonderful humans. Thank you for tuning in to the Triple Well Network. And if you could take seven seconds out of your day and do me a big favor, jump over to the Shopify App Store. We just launched our Founders Dash and we would love a review from you. Thanks so much for being so awesome. Enjoy the show. The excellence doesn't happen on the first pass or the second pass. And it's like the excellence happens after like someone else would have clicked publish. And it's just like, it's actually not as much effort as like the first 90%, but like the last 10% when like, you could be done is like where, and so I would say that like they're underrated because I don't think people are putting enough juice into like the individual ones and like thinking if this was my step one, like someone gave this to me and just said, make it better, what would I do? And then like, that's kind of, you know, doing that at the final stage, I think is important. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of You Are Not Your ROAS. Um, this man is near and dear to my heart. We met at The Whale. Um, he ended up spinning out his own awesome thing that he was like, quasi working on. He climbs mountains. He does Ironmans. He's insanely good looking and he's Canadian. What does he not have going for him? I know. But Zach Murray, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. I'll say I don't know if being Canadian is a feature. I think it's a curse, but... <laughs> Fair no. play. We still love you guys. We still love you guys with all the craziness. Um, you just got off of your big fitness guy, um, and you just did a pretty cool little uh, challenge that you've been wanting to check off. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, it was like I think it was like a week and a half ago. Um, essentially, it's like a event called Twenty Nine to Twenty Nine. This guy named Jesse Itzler puts it on. Super cool entrepreneur. Um, essentially, what it is is he runs out like a mountain, and then you walk up to the mountain and take the gondola down, and then. There's a certain amount of summits that you need to do. And by the end of it, you summit the equivalent like vertical gain of Mount Everest. So it's like 29,029 feet. It was pretty sh- it took me like 30 hours through the night, it took like a couple naps, but it was, sh- but it was a lot of fun. And like, I, yeah, I like doing those types of things. I think it's just like mixture of like imposter syndrome and like trying to prove something to yourself and like all that kind of sh- but I find like a lot of joy in, in like those types of things. And yeah, I'm glad I'm doing it. I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> you would never do it again? <laughs> Not a chance. Chalked it up, got it done. What was the hardest part? Like, what was the limiter? Was it mental? Was it food? Was it feet? Not that. It's not that physical. Like, I had some, okay. like, a bunch of screws and plates in one leg. So, those were giving me some issues just like from use. But, like, realistically, it's not, it's pretty low impact, right? Like, you're only going uphill. So, there's not much impact on your knees. The, the issue is, is like, you have so much time alone to think about quitting and, like, just like tell like insane stories to yourself. Like, and you just like, you have like really candid conversations. You're just like, what the are you doing this like you don't need to like do this at all like you're not and, and like there's literally no glory at the end of it. but like through those conversations you really like understand like you know what it means to commit to something and all those types of things so I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of them and i think those i always try to do like one hard thing a year like physically and i find that it even just like gives me like chapters in my life like the year before i was doing iron mans and like i can remember like okay 2023 like i did the 2019 you know like i did the mountain thing and it just like lets me like catalog my life i think in a lot clearer way no i love that i can't remember where i wrote that down but it was actually from jesse um he has his like yearly plan oh dang it i thought i thought oh, yeah, i had it in my notes yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does like something incredibly memorable, like you would tell your grandkids kind of stuff once a year. And then he has these interesting, oh man, I had it somewhere because I actually ran across it on my uh, little vision quest. And I thought it was so brilliant because he's like, and if you live X amount of years, blah, 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 you're going to have all these. It was was a really cool way. He's a very vibey guy, man. I really like it. Yeah, he's super uh, cool. He has a really... 
this year and like I've had some time with him and he's just like so intentional about his time and like how many years you have and like what you can get into it and like you have to be very intentional about it and his whole thing he's like yeah you plan on these like anchor cornerstone like core memories at the beginning of the year because otherwise like work and life there's always a reason that it can't fit in but if you just put them in first before all the other sh- catches up then they happen and I think it's like a good ethos to living a more rich dense life and yeah he's a super inspirational guy I think if I can do the things that he does that, you know, I think he's in his mid to late fifties, like I'll be, I'll be happy. Yeah. And he's just so mentally sharp. And, um, I loved what you said there intentional where, um, that's something I'm trying to weave back into my life is intentionality, because I think there's a certain aspect of, um, not only staying the path, but there, there's enough spontaneity and explore, exploration in life that having those milestones can be really helpful, especially if there's nothing worse than regret. There's that, that gal that did the hospice. She used to be the hospice nurse and wrote like everybody's biggest regrets and stuff like that with dying people. And the number, basically nobody ever regretted things they did. They always regretted things they never did. So, okay. Hippy dippy stuff aside, let's get some capitalism injected into the pod. How did, did you, what was your first adventure into entrepreneurship? Well, I guess first let's, let's take a step back and kind of incredible designer, incredible video guy, just incredible creative in general, CEO, founder of Foreplay. How did this all come about? Like where did it start and then take us all the way up to Foreplay? Yeah. I mean, like I always like to start it at like, I had this, I mentioned like the plates and screws in my leg with the issue on the mountain. Like honestly, like my entire kind of like professional life began because of that accident. Like I was really into like BMX biking and like extreme sports. And anyway, I had an accident when I was like 16. It was like the first week of summer being like a 16 year old in high school. And yeah, broke my leg in like a myriad of different places. Couldn't really like do anything. It wasn't on crutches. Like I had to be like wheeled around and like shit like that. Cause just there was like so much trauma. So the blood would flow to it, blah, blah, blah. And so I was just like in my basement. I learned like the Adobe Creative Suite because I was like super into like video editing and I wanted to like create sick BMX videos. And like there's still some like YouTube videos of me and my like Oakland friends ripping around. And I don't know, I think looking back on it, it was just like the idea of being able to make things on the internet. And it was like animation, Photoshop stuff. It was just like incredibly magical to me. And and so I started down that path. I thought I wanted to be like a documentary filmmaker. So I had this idea that like you could travel around the world and like do these crazy things and like tell stories. And I went, I went off to university thinking that I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker. I went to like a media production school, but I also had this like piece of me that like really loved money and like I loved capitalism, I loved businesses and like those things didn't fit. And like the school I went to was like this like super like artsy, liberal, like bullshit school and so i dropped out in second year and throughout all of high school i was doing like freelance graphic design projects dropped out second year university i was in toronto i moved to toronto for school stayed here and just started doing like freelance stuff like everything from like websites we built like a mobile app for this like for this male strip team you know like because they, they couldn't run facebook ads so they wanted like a be able to send push notifications to their clients and like i just took like everything i just like we have like a version of craigslist here called Gigi, and i would just like look for jobs for like five bucks and like anyway so i did a bunch of range design some apps would you know aggressively lie about my capabilities and then like you know build a plane on the way down kind of thing and, and yeah just doing a bunch of freelance stuff had like a quote-unquote agency and then I like learned about dropshipping. I met this guy that was like dropshipping and similar to like when I learned the Adobe Creative Suite, it was like, I was like, wow, that's the most magical thing ever. Like you just like pump these ads, sell these products and like make money. So we started like testing a bunch of different things. We built a store together, um, scaled it like pretty fast, crashed pretty fast. And uh, yeah, we sold it. It was like a fire sale. And um, yeah, and on, on the back end of that, I, I wanted to 
go back to being a solo founder again. And I had always had this idea that I wanted to build a software company. And so I just started like iterating ideas. And one of the main problems I had when like running the agency, when we were doing like performance creative, but also the brand, it was like, we'd have these weekly calls where everyone would bring new bad ideas. Um, and like people would bring them in slide decks with PowerPoints. And most of the time the Facebook ad library links would be broken. And like after those calls, nothing ever happened with those pieces of ad creative. They just like went off into the ether that felt like good ideas, but there was no action. And so I just had this like random idea. I was like, what if we build like the Pinterest, but for like creative, very simple tool. Just like, I wanted to say that to Facebook ad library, so there'd never be expired links. And that was the first version of the tool. It was called Addison and we've rebranded to foreplay in the time being. And I had the domain name where they wanted to use it. And I love the name and yeah, we've been like bootstrapped now for coming up on two years. I'm like super happy with like the work I'm doing. I think we're building like a really cool product. I love our customers and yeah, that's kind of how we got here. Dude, that's such a wild ride. I forgot about your BMX days. I forgot about the uh, poster company. Oh my gosh, this is like a, a walk down memory lane for me. Um, that's incredible, man. Yeah, I, I really think it's so interesting as well because I feel like some of the best tools are kind of born out of problems, right? Like they're, they're spawned from that uh, for jobs to be done phrase, like that struggling moment, like look for the hack, like what are people hacking together? And then there might be something there. And I think you guys have absolutely nailed it. And you are to steal a term from you, a one man weapon, because the the copy, the design, the, I mean, everything aside from the code is essentially a manifestation of you, which is, is so rare, hard to scale, but man, it's great to get product market fit. And I mean, you guys are well past product market fit now, but how do you think in terms of like software now? Because that's kind of like weird, different economics going from your poster drop shipping days, right? Of like those unit economics versus like software where people are caring about like net dollar retention, logo growth, kind of shit like that, ARR, things of that nature. Like, have you internalized any of that yet? Or is that something that I, I know you actually mentioned you, you just snagged a really incredible uh, ace another one man weapon as well. Um, is that something you're just wanting to offboard and stay kind of in the product brains? Like, how am I going to create value for people? Yeah, like, I mean, it's something that I've had to just like learn in the same way that I learned it while I was doing the Shopify e-commerce stuff. It's incredibly different. I enjoy it a lot more. You know, like what I really love about software is you can make the product better at almost every single day as long as you have a support dev team. Great way um, to look at it. Whereas like, physical product. I remember banging my head against the wall for like months and months and months. Like we were selling these like macrame plant hangers and we wanted to like change a few things on them. And it was just like, you get the same one from China, you send it back, you don't get the same grade. And like, I love how like, you know, I do have like a lot of these like internal, like personal skills that I can just like move forward. And I feel like I just, I'm, I'm not pushing up against as many like barriers with software for me. Yeah. But I think a lot of other people would hit those barriers in other ways, right? If you like don't know how to design and you have to like work with a designer, like in the same way, you know? And so I think like for me and like my skill set and like my background, it's been like, I feel like I'm using so much of the tools that I've built up doing random shit in my life. It's just like, it feels like, okay, this, this is, I did all of those things so that I can do what I'm doing now. And like, you know, I don't love like the net dollar retention side of things. And it's still cool to like try to optimize for and like apply design thinking to it and how to optimize it. But yeah, I've just learned it. It's been, it's been fun. Like it's a great you know, software is an amazing business model. If you have product market fit and I, I, yeah, I really love it. And like the team's growing now and that's been super fun, but there's, you know, obviously learning is along with that. 
as well, right? But um, oh, totally, yeah. H- hiring is hard. Managing is hard. I found leading easy, but I hated managing. And uh, um, hiring is is one of the the hardest things out there. Um, where do you find your inspiration from? Like, what are you reading? What are you watching? What I know you don't watch TV, but like YouTubing or like how how do you like? If people are starting out or whatever, like, is there anything you'd recommend in terms of skill set building or frameworks or people that you really found inspiration from? I think in terms of frameworks, I think all the things we had talked about in the previous question about net dollar retention and like all these metrics, I mean, it doesn't matter until you have product market fit. And so like, if you're like a software founder and like maybe you're coming from like a finance background or like more of like, I don't know, an ops background, like optimizing for that kind of stuff, we have a hundred customers is stupid. Um, and so like getting started, literally like solve the problem, feel the problem and get excited about solving it. And if you go down that path and you're not excited about solving it and you want to like, just think about all of these like weird knobs you can turn on no customers, then like, it's probably not the problem that you should be solving. In terms of things that like I get inspiration from, like, you know, like I really enjoy reading like biographies of, of like other entrepreneurs. Like I think one of my favorites, favorites is like losing my virginity, Richard Branson. I really love Steve Jobs' biography. You know, I, there's this one book that I read every single year called um, The War of Art, not to be... Oh, yeah. Um, Stephen you know, P., let's go. ...used with the art of war, but like, um, you know, I, in, inherently, like, my nature is like I, I default to creating things. So I try to optimize for things that, like, you know, inspire that deeper, but then, you know, try to learn from other people that might not be as, you know, creation-focused. I love that. War of Art, fantastic read. Stephen P is fantastic. Stephen Pressfield, for the kids that don't know. Um, he also has a phenomenal read, um, not in the in more of the fiction realm than the kind of productivity realm, but uh, Gates of Fire is also a great read by uh, Stephen Pressfield. Um, those are those are fantastic recs, man. I'm also reading this one book right here. It's like really small. I'm just keeping it on my desk. It's called Tao Ching or something. And then there's these like little like poems about life. I really like it. I actually like saw this Adam Robinson posted a video and he recommended this and I started reading it. And it's really interesting. It's like, you'll like, I have like little pages like earmarked and I'll read one day and it means one thing to me and I'll read it on a different day. And it's like, I've read a completely different thing. And so it's a very interesting book. And it's just like, I think it's like, if you read 10 pages of this book in a day, you'll find one that directly correlates to whatever you're experiencing that day. And it's like, it's pretty interesting. I like it. Shout out retention.com. Go get Adam. Quite a great guy. Dude, I, I love that. I think it's, yeah, what an incredible way to look at life. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for tuning into the Triple Well Network. This is brought to you by the Founders Dash, our new forever free plan. You can get all of the awesomeness of, or most of the awesomeness of Triple Well. So you're going to get a, a 12 month look back. You're going to get net profit. You're going to get access to the iOS and Android apps. So you can have all your metrics in real time anywhere you want. All you got to do is go to triplewell.com slash Founders Dash and install the app today and get ready to ride the lightning. Enjoy the show. One more question, and then we'll get to the last question. What are some questions that you like to ask your customers? Because I think you have iterated on such an interesting product path that I don't think is necessarily the most, like, it's not a commonsensical one. I feel like you've really found the really interesting jobs to be done. How did you find those? Was that, I mean, I guess I'm just assuming, was that through customer interactions? Was that through a mix of your hypothesis and then you just shipped it? Or like, how did you really just land on the, the product roadmap? map that you did because I, I again 
not to gas you up too much, but I think the where you started and where you are now are just really miles apart, but in such an interesting place. And I never would have thought that's where you would have ended up. Yeah. Like I talk to customers a lot. I don't necessarily know if I try to ask them questions, but I certainly try to listen and I try to find pain in just like talking to them about how they do their work. Um, I think that a lot of the time software companies, they think of an, an, they think too much about an idealistic view of like the way a workflow should be done. Or they try to like interview customers on the way that they would like to do things. And like, I don't necessarily know, like the customers can have great insight, but I don't know if they have amazing execution on how it should be done. And so I think just like hearing about how they currently do things and then just applying it to your life and thinking like, should, would I would want to be doing this? Is this a call that I would want to have? Is this a process? Is this a Slack channel that I would need to be updating? Like I try to like extract it a lot more just by like, being like a listener rather than like asking questions. I mean, there's like the simple questions. It's just like, what would you like to see in the product? And like those, those happen. And to be completely honest, like when you build a software company, like surprising how much feedback you get completely unsolicited. And so like that comes one way. I think the way that I extract, the way that I proactively extract information from customers is really just talking about their, their process and like, you know, if this, you know, this certain role, like let's just say it's creative strategies and your team is doing one thing. What else do they do in their day outside of our tool? And like, there is where you're going to find like really interesting ways to like optimize and like understand that person at a deeper level um, than, than just like in the confines of your own software. And, but that's how I approach it. It's, it's not incredibly intentional. I think it's, it's just a common practice that compounds over time. And like the more people you talk to, the more like pulse that you get on what, what, what people would really like. And like now, like I've got like three other product ideas that I know I could just launch and like they're going to work. Um, and well, because people asked to them, it was just like, oh, like you're spending an hour doing this like every day. Like, no, I love that. That's my opinion. Absolutely. The path. Well said, sir. Well said. Okay. One last question. What's the nicest thing someone has done for you? That's a really hard question. I don't think it was like an individual thing, but my parents definitely let me be myself in like a lot of ways. And like looking back retrospectively, they really much like, as much as they had their opinions and I'm incredibly different than my parents and they had their opinions, but they didn't usually put hard walls up to confine me. And so I think I'll be eternally grateful for that. And I think just that as a keynote, was probably the nicest thing because I've seen the opposite of that and what that leads to. And I'm incredibly grateful that I don't. Shout out Mama and Papa Murray. Okay, let's jump into foreplay some more. All right, so how are you thinking of, and I know these are kind of uh, a little bit, like you said, cart before the horse questions, but now that you have this product market fit now, how are you thinking of go to market? How are you thinking of expansion? Like, just give me some thoughts in terms of your your growth plans and how are you thinking of, I mean, essentially just re- retention and acquisition for foreplay. Are you guys trying to move up market? What does that look like? Are you trying to capture more of the, the long tail? How are you kind of, marinating all these thoughts in your head i have a keen feeling that market expansion right now in terms of industry has more of an opportunity than like product expansion and so that's something i'm thinking about a lot we obviously we're very well known like the d2c space but we have customers very much not in the d2c space um and so i think there's a lot that exists outside of that and so in the same thing that we you know if what we did in the d2c space we can like replicate in just like one other adjacent market still digital marketing but just like people you know doing performance for apps and gaming and like things like that if we can reach a similar level of like market awareness and notoriety and things like that and there's other markets there's a tremendous amount of growth there obviously like i would love to figure out some sort of way that we can service large enterprises and extract value um, while also giving value to those people. I wouldn't say it's an incredible top of mind thing, but it's something that I think about. Go to market for us up until now has been relatively light. We've been incredibly product led. Now I think it's like 
we need to grow up and fill some of our shoes, uh, things like sales and things like that for customers that might require some more handholding and onboarding and things like that. I'm spending a lot of time on that. And we're also just in a place with the business right now, which is lucky. And it's like inbound leads and free trial signups are not our biggest problem. We don't need any more of that. We need to increase activation, conversion, and things like that. And so those are the things that I care about the most right now. I made a couple of hires recently that are, you know, making, you know, massive sort of like leaps forward on that front. And so I think it's telling people to think about that in a vacuum will extract a good amount of value. And right now I'm in like a phase in which I am just trying to find more people. Like I've done so much of all of our marketing, all of our growth market up until now. And I found some repeatable growth mechanisms that work. And so now it's installing people to manage those, keep them going. And I would love to get to a place where I can be manic again and think big and, you know, start building the company that might put us out of business in our current product is where I would love to start putting more of my time. Bars, bars on bars on bars. I really enjoyed that thought around market expansion versus product expansion. So it's a really clever way to think. And I, I no, no, it's fantastic. Speaking of the future, what are you most excited about? Any tea you can spill or give us some more insight in Spider? I know you guys were doing creative brief st- stuff for a little while. Like Brief is super cool. I don't know if it's as big of a problem as I once thought it was. People love the platform. Like people love that part of the platform. Say more there, because I I had your thesis as well. So say because I I I was also the same. And um, if you expand on briefs far enough, you end up being a project manager, and nobody loves any project management tools. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so I think there's still a lot of different. I think there's still a lot of like progress that we can make in that front. But when I look further enough down the road, it just becomes a project management tool. Tracking. Okay. Like, make you excited and. I don't know if it's a problem that I would love to solve. In terms of like where we're going, I think we have an incredible opportunity to define what creative strategy is and the workflow in which people iterate on content. Right now we're in the advertising paid marketing space. I think we can very much be copy pasted over to like organic. Ooh. Or any people using us for that. So in where organic content and ad content is becoming more and more similar every single day. I think that that's an interesting place to be. And I think I'm all, there's like little other things that I'm really excited about, just like features and things like that, but nothing incredibly major. And then I have one other product that I won't divulge, but it's a, it's a piece that nobody's kind of solved for, for the creative strategy specifically. And they're spending a lot of time doing it right now. And in the same way that before, when you would collect advertising inspiration, it was incredibly disparate and unorganized. Uh, there's another data set. It's not even data, but there's another set of learnings and insights in which is incredibly messy right now that in Q4, we're going to start this all. That's a beautiful mental model to use that to go after, where when you think of these ad units, they're essentially just that, right? Like learnings, insights, inspiration. And if I can database them, schema them, make them into a place of usefulness, then it's a ton of value there. That's a real... The biggest thing that we optimize for is getting out of the way of creative thought. That's a beautiful way to put that. Because creative people, you talk about AI and AI can generate a lot of ideas and I use AI every single day. Um, but me behind the, like, you know, me behind that steering wheel, driving that and like coming up with ideas and like being in that zone of genius, getting into flow. That's what I'm trying to optimize for. And like everybody has parts of their 
job and parts of their life that take away from that. And so the core thing that I think I want to optimize for, for creative people is to eliminate as much of that like laborious stuff so that they can just remain in flow and come up with new ideas and be in a space where they can receive inspiration and ideas and, and act on them without having to like download CSVs and do all that stupid shit. So that's kind of like the way that I think about a new product. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. Oh, it sounds interesting. Super interesting. In terms of closing the creative loop, is there any thought like around like a marketplace of creators or something like that where it's like, I have this idea, I can show the things that I want, I can put in what I need to put in for my brief from the, the briefs feature, and then I can just throw that into a marketplace and then you have people on the back end bid on that. and Because that's the only thing that I feel like is missing, but at the same time, it's just in a totally different job to be done now that you've framed it in such a way of this, you know, aggregation and assemblance and archiving of inspiration, learning and insights. But it seems like could be quasi interesting, but the juice ain't worth the squeeze. Yeah, I've thought about it. There's a lot of people doing a really good job of it. I think about companies like Incense and things like that. And so our approach to that is going to be through integration than anything. And when you look at ad creative as a whole, they usually come from a multiple, like from a, a bunch of different places. That's just like the nature of it. And so for someone that's a creative strategist that is in charge of all of those things, they're not just an influencer manager. They're not just a graphic designer. If we were to launch a marketplace tool, we're essentially being like, oh, you're not supposed to use your current workflow or you're not supposed to source from all these other places. And like, I'm, we're essentially imposing action based on like trying to capture market share that isn't the best. And so I want to do it through integration um, and partnership. And I just want to be the hub where people like do that. And if there's a better mark creator marketplace in six months from now, like we build an integration with that. Like, we don't try to compete with it. That's kind of the way that I look at it. Uh, that's super. I like the integration. I guess the other factor there would be, so we talked about completing the creative. What about like storage of ads? Have you thought of that, of like keeping their their actual ad library? Or I guess they can just save their own. So it's kind of like a hack around that. They can, but kind, of just save, they can kind of just save their own right now, especially with the new Flutter tool. Let's you track a brand. You can just track your own brand and do that. And again, I think I look at that market. And there's companies, there's legacy companies like Dropbox and Google Drive that do an okay job. There's new companies like Air that do an amazing job. And I want to let them go do that and like integrate with them. You know, I, I think like, luckily, I think being bootstrapped, you have to be a lot more aggressive with these decisions that you make in terms of places that you want to divert attention. And I become like, you know, as our resources have increased, you know, we could explore these ideas, um, but I'm still trying to like remain that, that like bootstrapped mindset of prioritization and impact and um, only doing things in which you can be excellent at. Um, and you have to also realize that if you divert attention into something else, you're, you're making it harder to become even more excellent at the thing that you currently do. And so I'm, I'm trying to avoid that at all costs while also growing the company, growing feature sets, growing, you know, all that stuff is important, but I think it should be looked at incredibly aggressively to divert attention away from something that people, you already know that they love, like instead of make, like to take attention away from that, to make it better, to make, take attention away from making that better into trying something new. Obviously, like you want to keep innovating, but like maybe you need to just innovate like in work and like kind of the way I look at it and it's been working. So no, you use my love language of attention. That's my safe word. I, you passed the test. I was trying to bait you. <laughs> the focus that you held was A+. I, I think you're absolutely right. I candidly think that was 
a lot with AI. I think AI was a head fake for a lot of companies that kind of were like, oh, we're going to try and like do this AI stuff where it's like, it's cool. I think AI is definitely going to be game changing, et cetera, et cetera. But all the major applications I've seen within applications, it's like, it's okay. Like it's, it's an augmentation. It's helpful. But like to your point, is it beating out like my current workflows? Not really. Like maybe I'll toss it in to get some ideation or break the cold start problem or make something a little bit more polished. But I have yet to see it be, I mean, Chad GPT can actually write really well. Uh, Mid Journey is actually pretty crazy in terms of pictures. But outside of that, I haven't really seen this this crazy, like I got caught up in the hype cycle as well of that shiny object syndrome. And I, I really think that that bodes well for foreplay going forward, because that, I think that can be one of the siren songs when you start to just become a feature factory and you're just everything versus always staying core to your truth thesis and really generating that value for that core user or those few core users. Segwaying off of that core users, how do you think of collaboration in foreplay? Because there, there is a natural kind of collaboration into it. Um, how do you think of that in terms of feature set, in terms of different stakeholders? Is that something that you like is top of mind? Yeah, because right now Celebrate is fine. You can add users to your accounts and, and work with them. The thing with specifically D2C and like performance marketing teams in general is like they're usually ancestral towards like internally, but also just like external teams. They bring on an agency for a certain amount of time. I think our next step in collaboration is um, allowing external teams to start collaborating with each other on their own accounts rather than adding add to, the, add to them, them to their account. You know, how the workspace, Slack connects, things like that. It's an incredible bitch to build. And again, like, would it be better if it was in the app right now, yeah. Does it provide as much value to those like kind of subset of users that are that would use it versus like us taking attention and like making the product better? No. And so, you know, same thing with like soft two compliance and like shit that. Like we have enterprises reach out, like we need soft two compliance. Okay. And like okay, two weeks of work to get one customer. Maybe not right now. Like, um, so uh yeah, it's something I would love to build, but again, like I there's this Johnny Ive quote. Um, and he talks, he was talking about is like what he learned most from Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs came into his office and he had said, yeah, you know, Johnny, I don't think you're like very focused right now. And Johnny's like, no, like I'm focused. Like, I quit all other things. Like I'm just working on like this and this and this. And they're all Apple things. And Steve was just like, how many really good ideas did you say no to? And he was just like, oh man, like he was only saying no to like the bad ideas. And he thought that like saying no to bad ideas was like, is it, you know, focus on the good ideas. But he was just like, no, like you're only focused when you say no to really great opportunities though. And like, I try to like, and like, I really have some shiny object syndrome. I, I incredibly enjoy like creating and like the risk involved with starting something new. And like, I'm just uh, over the last, like specifically like nine months, I think I've become like my discipline muscle has really started to like become whole, like, you know, pretty strong. And, um, if you just kind of keep flexing that, you always end up working on the right thing. And like, if something does need to break through it well, um, and so, yeah, rather than like chasing our tail or like worrying about what competitors are doing, it's like, I only, I really am trying to focus only on the thing that I think will improve the lives of our customers the most, um, and just like make the app more valuable. Well said. Little little Steve Jobs action. The Isaacson bio is doing you good. <laughs> Get your money's worth out of it. I love it. Um, okay. You ready for a little rapid fire? Let's do it. All right. Creative briefs, overrated, underrated? Underrated, because I think people just think that the existence of a brief is all they need, but it's like, it's actually like the good brief. It's like, go back and do another pass and make it better. You know, I've always like said, like the excellence doesn't happen on the first pass or the second pass. And it's like, the excellence happens after like 
someone else would have clicked publish. And it's just like, it's actually not as much effort as like the first 90%, but like the last 10% when it could be done is like where, and so I would say that like they're underrated because I don't think people are putting enough juice into like the individual ones and like thinking if this was my step one, like someone gave this to me and just said, make it better. What would I do? And then like, that's kind of, you know, doing that at the final stage, I think is important. I'm going to still, that's a bar. The excellence happens when another person would have hit publish. That's <laughs> coming with the heat. Love it. CrossFit, overrated, underrated. Overrated. Really? I thought you, you loved your CrossFit. I did, but the issue is, is that it doesn't, if what you're optimizing for is like work, the potential of injury acutely just doesn't pan out. So that's I think a there's like a, lot, a lot quicker ways. I, I like it for the competitive nature. And so if you're optimizing for competitive stuff and you want that in your life, then you should do that. If you're optimizing for like fitness and well-being, I don't think it's the best for the average. That's actually, that's actually a pretty great take. Though, to be fair, I'm thinking about joining again because I had the same kind of experience where I did really awesome. I love the competitiveness, got me crazy fit, and then like things started breaking. The one thing is I'm trying to get some more social back in my life. Maybe I'll just go because I do like bodybuilding style stuff right now, but it's just so so not necessarily boring, but just you're just kind of alone. I think oh, it's great as long as you don't. You either have to take the the amount of time to become excellent at Olympic lifts. Do that for like a few months. Get an Olympic lifting coach where your form is impeccable and won't break down under strain and under exhaustion. If you do that, then I think it's great. The issue is is like just going to CrossFit. You're being exposed to like movements that I think that like just if what like if I have like a up shoulder like i'm gonna work in pain the rest of the day and it's, that's just not worth it for what i'm optimizing for my life right now yeah 90 percent of the population should probably not be doing overhead squats or like heavy overhead <laughs> squats like that is, that yeah no totally tracking fair fair points all around iron man's overrated underrated i think accurately rated that's fair I think the only problem with them is they just, again, if you're optimizing for work, they take too much time in your day-to-day -day life. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Those are, that. that's a super commitment. And that's a really good point in terms of CrossFit because the other challenge that I found was like, if you do them like midday or something, you're just like wrecked after the workout. Yeah, right. If you have a, a wad, like your mind won't work. It's challenging. So that those are, those are really fair pushbacks. Um, Instagram, overrated, underrated. Overrated. Okay. TikTok, overrated, underrated. I hate it. Like, actually, no, it's probably accurately rated. I don't like it because it just wastes too much time in my day. Yeah, tracking. If Forpay could collab with anybody, who would you collab with? I feel like we have to do something sexual. Like, I don't know, like Trojan <laughs> or something like that. Trojan would be bad. Trojan would be fucking cool and like do a campaign or I don't know, something like that. That would be kind of cool. Have like a little uh, um, bedpost with notches or something. Trojan. <laughs> <laughs> We're already getting off the rails, folks. If you could spend a million dollars with foreplay, what would you do? If I give you a $1 million check right now, how would you spend it? You know, I wish I had a good answer for this. And if I did, I would raise money. But like right now, we're not spending all of our profits to grow efficiently. If I had this answer, I'd probably go raise money. All right. Fair um, if I had to like make like a wild guess right now, I would hire... I would I would 10x and just like hire a crazy sales team, which we didn't have enough leads for and um, try to find and try to build enterprise right now. Your more your most boring answer yet, but we'll take it. It's your rapid fire. Um, if you could take over marketing for any brand, what brand? Take over marketing for any brand, what brand? You're the new CMO, Zach Murray. What brand? Like I'm trying to think of like a brand that I think is cooler than what it is. Okay, there's this backpack company called Peak Design. Oh, I love, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they make backpacks. Yeah. 
And I fell in love with them when I used to shoot video stuff. Yeah. But now are just like my daily backpacks. And I think they're the best backpack in the entire world. And I, I'll die on that hill. I would love it because I love the product so much. And like, I think that you would, I think that they should just fuck the camera people and just like make really great bags for like EDC and make sure. I have some peak gear as well. Uh, camera harnesses where they have, they make some really cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, like backpacks. The, the very, very well engineered stuff. Um, if you could win, witness any event in history, what would it be and why? So you can go, you won't die. You'll transport back after you can go anywhere, anytime, any place. What would you go see? I would love to be on stage at like a Neil Young, Bruce Springsteen, ACDC, Aerosmith concert, and then be backstage after the event. And then go, what I found was like, what I think is so crazy about that time is like those, those like rock stars would just go to a random bar and then whoever was at that bar would have the most amazing night of their life and a story to tell forever. And that can't happen anymore. And so I'd love to be in just like one of those situations where it was just like a happenstance thing. This is where these crazy people and just like the vibe of the place completely raised to like a level that couldn't ever be replicated. There's no cameras, there's no video and it just exists in that moment and it never can be realized. Exquisite answer. Um, you are quite the vagabond. Favorite place to travel to and why? I like Co Costa Rica because it always just feels like a serendipitous place. And weirdly, your day-to-day -day life just becomes, it, in the time that I've spent there, it feels magical and as if you're just like on the path. I feel like uh, there's a few places on this earth that have this hippy-tippy, you know, whether it's the Vortex or whatever, uh, Sedona and Costa Rica are the two yeah. places. Like, you need like a really good mix of crazy. like hippie about to lose their mind and then like money. And when you combine those two things, it's just like those places are best yeah it's a yeah it's a interesting uh, i i love me some costa rica okay last question and we'll wrap up the pod if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive fictional or non-fictional who would they be so you're at a four-person table zach's sitting at the head who's getting an invite from murray three um joe rogan steve jobs and charles eames who like made the eames chair because i would because like if he could come forward and like understanding if he thought that his in impact and like how long that his like legacy would stand i would want to know like if if he felt that at that time yeah one of the most iconic pieces of furniture great picks great pod great person zach murray how can people find you how can they sign up for foreplay this time's yours my friend sweet i mean yeah if you're looking to supercharge your ad creative workflow from uh, competitor tracking with the new spider tool to just building a beautiful swipe file finding inspiration or writing briefs foreplay.co um seven day free trial and i'll put like a whatever a discount code we'll just do roas as a discount code got him if you want to talk to me twitter is the best place at foreplay zach z-a-c-h and then yeah like i one thing that i love is like talking to people that want to start like software companies and like want to stay strapped and i like a few people in my life that were like the only reason I stayed bootstrapped because I, I think, you know, the devil of VC can like suck you in. And so if anybody's like in that spot, I'm also just jam. I love talking to people and, and just hearing what the work on, share ideas and things like that. So feel free to hit me up. Yeah, man. It's been so incredible what you've been able to build and I've loved your tact and the way you've been able to build it. And um, yeah, man, you, you're a muse, a friend and an incredible athlete. So thank you for joining the show. Come out to Austin. We'll, we'll do it big again together. And um, yeah, man, wishing you all the success. I, I'm just been 
been blown away to see um, you blossom into the the founder CEO that you've become. It's been really cool to watch. Not a CEO, I'm a founder, not a CEO. Oh, oh. <laughs> so who's the CEO right now? It's just, it's just this headless company. We don't no. have. Anybody who called him CEO? I don't think anybody who called him CEO before they have fifty employees. I just think it's that's it's, fair. Okay, all right, whatever. You, you don't want you don't want the gross rub of the CEO founder. Play. I'll see you in San Diego too. Oh yeah. San Diego Send Lane event. Get there if you don't have tickets already. Uh, if you're not on Triple Whale, get on Triple Whale. We have an incredible founders dash. You can go to triplewhale.com, sign up today. We also have a wonderful newsletter that goes out every Tuesday, Thursday called Whale Mail. You can subscribe right at triplewhale.com slash whale mail. And if you want to see Zach's wonderful hair, we post all of our podcasts on youtube.com slash triple whale where you can watch all the pods. And then if you will subscribe to the channel, you know, do the thing on the Apple reviews all that good stuff it is super appreciated and then uh are you a mentor pass or you just do the SaaS consulting now okay if you also want to grab some time on mentor pass uh go grab some time on zach's calendar and then what else i got i guess we'll see each other in san diego then yeah no looking forward to it amazing it's a date all right folks that's another episode in the books we'll see you next time bye-bye